the Holland Podcast. Today, I am joined by Sylvie Daou, the founder of Daou Training Systems and host of the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. She's an avid cyclist, and most importantly, she is a mom. The reason for bringing her on the show and one of the things that we really talked about and dived into was how she manages her daily schedule as a mom, especially being an entrepreneur and a fitness coach, and how she approaches those conversations with other parents. We also discuss being a mom to an elite athlete. She both coaches and has a daughter who is striving to become a Paralympian in the sport of cycling. Now, I know we have listeners of all different age groups. However, something that I get a lot of comments and messages on is, Natalie, like, I don't know if I have the time to do all of these things because I'm a busy parent. And I really, really do feel for you. So if you're a parent, I'm sure you will relate to Sylvie on this episode. And if not, no worries. Many more episodes to come and lots of content coming from me, a 20-something-year-old dog mom with a lot fewer responsibilities than a parent. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation, to learn something new, or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. All right, welcome back to the All In Podcast. We are joined by Sylvie Du, founder of Du Training Systems, host of the Secrets of uh, Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Nat. It's such a pleasure to be on your podcast as you, I'm, and I'm really happy you are on mine and, uh, I'm just glad to be here to talk about what we're up to. Awesome. Awesome. So like, uh, you know, something that I, I really want to talk to you about, because I, I post a lot of like my morning routines and things like this often. And the comment I always get is, is parents. It's from parents. And they're saying like, <laughs> they're like, Natalie, like we don't have the time, like we can't do these things. And so I really want to dive into some of these habits from yourself, who's an entrepreneur and a mom and a mom of an athlete. Um, because I think that the parents don't want to hear it from me, who's someone who had 20 something with much fewer responsibilities. I'm like, okay, you know, I just tell them I feel for you. Like I don't have kids that I have to wake up. Um, so I'm able to manage my schedule better. So I really want to chat about some of these things with you. Oh my gosh. I love that question actually. And when you talk about kids, we'll get into kids in a second, but for me, um, it's always been, no, it hasn't been a struggle, but like you're, so my current routine, I'll just talk about my current routine because it, it took a while to develop that routine because throughout the times, like things change, right? So right now I make a point of, and I know people are going to be like, oh my God, I get up around 4.30, quarter to five um, during the week. Okay. And I do it because I like to come downstairs. It's totally quiet. Nobody's here. And I can just sort of sit and think about my day. I do a bit of journaling. Um, I try to get into meditation because, you know, you always hear about, you know, the people you want to follow what they do, like kind of mimic what they do. But it's just something I have to work on. It, it doesn't come naturally. I don't know if you try meditating in the morning or maybe you meditate some at some other time. But for me, it doesn't come. So I just journal about my day and what I want to achieve. And then I usually, I make sure I put a note as to what little things I want to get done before six o'clock because six o'clock are when the kids wake up, right. <laughs> and then I, you know, I go upstairs and, um, and, uh, so we have breakfast and they're old enough now, like they're old enough to make their own lunches. And they've been doing that for a while. I'm so grateful. And they're old enough, like they're nine and 10. So if anybody has like younger kids, start teaching them how to make their own breakfast and make their own lunches and you'll have lots of time. And that's why I think like parents have, you know, just put so much on themselves because they don't create independent kids or they don't, you know, give independence. And then, so we got about an hour and then we walk to the bus at 10 to seven, they get on the bus. We, so it's, I don't know, 700 kilometers down kilometers, sorry, <laughs> meters down the road or feet. It is just down the road. That's, like that sounds like the grandparent story. They're like, I walk 700 yeah. kilometers to school every day. And you're okay, sure. Grandpa, I'm sure you yeah, do. Yeah. It's well, yeah. It goes down the road. 
We, so we have to walk to the bus stop and, uh, and then actually that's a really nice part of the day is just getting outside for, you know, 15 minutes. Um, and then I come back in and at seven 30, I have scheduled workout. So either I work out for 30 minutes and I do these online. So I, I have a special page, like a private Facebook page that I do workouts on. Um, so 7.30, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I work out. Tuesday, Thursdays at 7.30, I'm on my bike. I know this isn't for everybody, but you know the thing is that I live at home. And for me, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it literally is not going to happen. And I've just come to know that for a long time. And I never used to be like this. I used to go to the gym. We all used to go to the gym. Yeah. They're <laughs> opening again. At least uh, that's, that's a good bonus. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my, my morning routine. And like on the weekends I sleep in. So I'm like, don't talk to me until like seven, eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think like the morning meditation thing, like that's, it's so different for everyone. Like personally, I, I definitely, I meditate every morning and I'll sometimes try to get a second meditation in, but I think like as a parent, you have your kids waking up early. Like for most people that, you know, six something AM, uh, wake up time where they're preparing for school is their wake up time in the first place. So for you, I would assume that you want to get some stuff done before the kids get to school mm-hmm. versus, you know, for me, it's like my work start, like I have nothing to do. I don't have someone else to prepare, right? Like my dog has to go yeah. for a walk, but we can do that anytime. So uh, it's just like, you know, only just headspace time. Like I wake up early personally just to have that time where I don't have to do anything versus yeah. for you it's to get ahead on the things that you have to do. So it just, yeah. it's just different. But I think, I think that makes a lot of sense why it might be hard for you to meditate in the morning. Well, can I ask you about your meditation? Cause um, I know about your background because you I've interviewed you. Did you develop your meditation um, routine when you were training? Because I and what do you use? Because I tried meditation apps. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, those are popular for sure. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, meditation for me, one was I have an aunt who is like a movement and meditation oh, wow. practitioner. Okay. So uh, growing up, she would she lives in Vancouver and she would, she's, she really tries to balance me out. And so as like a super hyperactive sport kid, she's like, Natalie, stretch, Natalie, meditate, like try to get me on these things, right? Do yoga. And mm-hmm. I'm always like, no, 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 no. Uh, until, you know, you experience injuries, you experience anxiety, you, you realize that these things are important. Um, but I was lucky, like I, I got onto the national team at 17 and my coach that next year, he was really into visualization and meditation. And especially mm-hmm. in action sports, more than other sports, you do have to have that like presence of calm before you're going in for, for a yeah. run or something. So it was part of my sport practice, but it was limited. And it was kind of, I did it because I knew it'd be, make me better at sport rather than doing it for the reasons of like, let me build mindfulness into my life. So it was kind of after that, when I experienced some mental health stuff, that meditation became a massive part of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And then now it's like, it's just a huge staple. But what I like to do, because I just don't like doing the same thing all the time, is I change it up. So I'll do like courses for a couple of weeks and I'll do like, so I'll I'll dive into a whole new different type of meditation practice, like from a whole different type of teacher. And then I'll go back to my mindfulness or, or if I wake up in the morning and think, you know, I'm feeling really calm and present, like I'm going to do five minutes and maybe later in the day I'll do longer. Or there's days where I'm like, no, I'm going to do my half an hour or longer meditation this morning because I feel like it, but I just give myself the the flexibility to try it at different times. And I have, you know, I have different apps. I have a neurofeedback device. Sometimes I use, I totally change it up all, all the time. So it just depends. Like sometimes you know, if I'm traveling, it'll just be silence. Like I'll just sit in silence or put on a song, but I think it, you know, meditation is so different for everyone. So you probably, if you just experimented around with different ones, you'll find what you want and it might be different in the moment. I think just being calm and quiet as a parent, I'm just like, (laughs) Oh, this, this must be meditation in itself. I've tried those five minute apps because I'm like, all I have is five minutes. All I have is 
You know what? It's meditation is one of those things where they say like, uh, if you don't have, if you don't have the five minutes, then you should do 60 minutes. That's like one of the, it's a famous quote. I butchered it, but there's a famous quote around that where it's like the busier you are, probably the more that you need that meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say that it, like, for example, I went to Bali for a month when I retired from snowboarding and I went to meditation classes and they were all an hour and there was, um, like all of the motorbikes and everything driving past. So it's super loud. So to focus, even though you're in the serene area with like, you know, some of the best meditation teachers, they're just the sounds of the motorbikes nonstop. So it takes you a while to get into it. And so an hour class, that first half an hour feels horrible. You're not into it. It's stressful, but that last half an hour, once you get there. So meditation is one of those things where it's unfortunate, but you do kind of have yeah. to start long at the start because eventually it starts to become easier for you to get into that zone. So then eventually maybe within five minutes, you can get to that place. But usually when you start, people do start with just the five minute and they're like, oh, it's not working. That's because it's going to take probably longer than five minutes for you to turn off. Oh yeah. I know it's turning off the everything I need to do, places to be, you know, things that need to be done. Oh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I definitely, definitely feel you on that. It's one of those things like, you know, maybe a reset or like, you know, spend a weekend and get really into it if you can, mm. just so that then you build the habit where you can just do the five minutes and you can tap back into it. Yeah. So totally. apart from your morning routine, like how do you like manage your daily schedule? How do you optimize it so that you can, cause of course your kids come back from school. So what do you do during the day and what do you do in the evening to make sure you get the sleep and all those things so you can do it again the next day? Oh my gosh. These are such <laughs> good, hard questions. Um, I have been on a journey for the last year, just trying to get something down where I feel super productive during the day because literally I have till four o'clock and I got to get in my training, which is in the morning. And, um, you know, so certain days are dedicated to certain things and I don't usually start working until 10 o'clock. And the reason being is that, as you know, as an entrepreneur, your business is online. So you do have to book in social media time. Like, or you're just going to spend the rest of your day bumping in and out of social media, posting this, commenting here. So after I finish my workout, I will sit and I will post. So okay. usually, um, you know, cause my, the things that I'm wrapped around is fitness, cycling, nutrition. Right. So I'm posting on one of these three things. And as you know, you got multiple places to post it, and then you've got your own pages. And this is, so I've just come to the conclusion that this is just what I have to do to 10 o'clock. I'm sitting, posting, taking pictures, you know, everything you need to do to get presence on a daily basis. And then I sit down and I started to calendarize things and being really intentional about what I'm focusing on. So I work on moving my business forward every day in my three areas, cycling, fitness, and business, um, and nutrition. So there's always something in there on a daily basis that I'm doing. That's on my checklist of things to do. And, um, and then, so, and then, so I finish at four and then I go upstairs. The kids arrive. We've got homework. We've got supper and then we sit down. And then I usually sometimes I try not to do stuff at night. I really, really like to keep my nights clear. Yeah. But of course, there's always like a webinar or a team <laughs> meeting or you've got to meet with a client or there's something. So I truly try and lump them into one night and I'm like, okay. And the other thing is that I try and go to bed by like, it's horrible. I try and go to bed by 10. Yeah. It's usually 1030. So 1030 is like the time, like my head hits the, the pillow. And on Thursdays, I dedicate that day to my podcasts and then everything else is kind of around it. I have certain meetings that are on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's 
And Wednesday nights are always downhill skiing. So as long as you get it in the schedule, like it'll always be there. And I always say that I said, if it's not my schedule, I'm not even thinking about it and it just won't happen. So that's how I set up my, my week. And then my Saturdays are completely like for family. And I do start working Sunday afternoons, like with like around three o'clock. Sometimes it feels good to get ahead on the week, like just get some of those. Yeah. It's like getting yourself ready for the week or there's certain things that I need, I would like to take care of then that, so they don't occupy my other time during the week. So yeah, I know it's like, yeah, (laughs) and then we roll into months and like, oh gosh. I like that the time blocking and I I like what you do in the night where you try to put all those things that you do maybe have to do at night. Like for example, if you work with people that, you know, you can work all day, uh, you know, remotely from home and doing your thing. Some people, Mm -hmm. they have still their remote job nine to five and they might not be able to meet with you or whatever until the evening time, which is, you know, probably hard for you to adapt to because you've worked already throughout the day and you wish they could block you in there. But it's, I like what you said about how putting it all in one night because I've experienced this as well where, and I'm sure you've experienced it too, where you, maybe you'll, you put them in each night and all of a sudden you finish and maybe you're for you, your husband, for me, my boyfriend, they're tired. And then they're, they, they don't want to watch a show. They don't want to do anything. And you at the end of the week, you've spent no time together, but if you just yeah. say, Hey, Wednesday night, I can't, you know, this is just blocked off, but every other night this week, we're going to have time together. That's probably yeah. a lot easier on the family. Well, I try and finish like whatever it is by nine o'clock. And then I come upstairs and my husband's usually on the couch watching TV. So I, you know, I try and like decompress and hang out with him. And then, you know, we go to, we go up to bed together. Cause that's, that's one of the important things, right? Like I don't wake up with him in the morning and, and you'll notice that if you don't always like end your night together, it kind of starts, there's you know, conf- conflicts start. And so that's why I say, okay, I'm not going to work. Like maybe, maybe I'll work like an all night, like not an all night, like till 12 or one. And it's usually Sunday nights because that's the night where I'm like, <laughs> I need to get everything done so I can have free time during the week. And I go to bed super late. And, um, but I really, really try and make it. So that's what we do. Like, you know, the kids go to bed at eight. I'm usually there putting one of them to bed and then I'll go back and I'll finish up some stuff. Then I'll come back upstairs at nine and um, just relax before bed, watch some TV, stretch, roll out my muscles, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So like uh, in your business, how do you approach conversations with, you know, perhaps parents or clients that come to you and they say, I don't have the time to take care of myself. How do you approach that? (laughs) Not nicely. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm oh, no. Like, well, no, but but the the thing is that as parents, let's or let me say let's say as moms, we don't tend to put ourselves in ahead of anybody. Yeah, I, my mom is the same. Yeah, yeah. For for me, I made it a point a long, long time ago that I was number one. And I took care of myself because if I don't take care of myself and I'm not of good health and good mind, then really nobody else is going to be happy, right? I'm not happy. I'm not a good parent. I'm not like a good teammate, things like that. So I've always, you know, put my stuff on the schedule first, well, first, and then I got family time which is, you know, like four till eight is family time. It's four hours after, after uh, school. And so I make sure that I get myself, my stuff done. And, you know, a lot of people use a lot of excuses, like, you know, the kids, this and the, that, that, and I'm like, no, there's always time to make time for you, whether you take your kids. And I've, you know, I've been the dance mom. I've been the gymnastics mom. And you know, like there's no reason why you can't get a walk in, a bike in, go work out, like do something while your kid is being active. There's no reason why I have to sit around and drink coffee and 
you know, stare at your kid and get unhealthy while your kid is super healthy. You know what I mean? Like I just watch parents. I'm like, like there's so much time in the day and, and the, there's really no excuse. And I, you know, I mean, some people may, it might be harsh for some people, but I'm like, really, how unhappy are you? You know, like a lot of parents are like, oh, well, I'm going to start doing stuff when my kids leave for school. I'm like, why would you wait for that? That's kind of like waiting to get healthy when you retire. Like, why would you wait? And, and I get that a lot. You know, I need to start making time for me. I go, yeah, you do. And not stop feeling guilty about it because you're going to feel amazing. And everybody around you is going to feel, be amazed. You know, they're going to be happy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough love thing. Like, I can't say it any other way. Like, you know, I've been through a divorce. I've been, I've had life happen to me. I've lost a business. I've had a business. I've, you know, like I've been a single mom. Like I had no excuse. I mean, I could have every excuse in the book but I never let it. I like, just like, I never let my health go just because of these circumstances, because I know at the end of the day, it's going to be, I'm going to have to put more work in to get back to where I was. Do you know what I mean? It's just like letting yourself gain 20 pounds. You know how much work it takes to lose 20 pounds? A lot of work. I would prefer to put the work in at the front end, you know, so, yeah, I, I think for a lot of people, it definitely can be hard to build those habits if they've never done it. And it, yeah. it, it definitely is hard. Like I know um, with parents, you know, my mom is so giving, she puts everyone first. And that's a conversation I, I bought her the headspace at for Christmas, uh, <laughs> a year membership. And I said, mom, like, come on, like, you gotta, you know, do some of these things because self-care isn't selfish. You can't give when your cup is empty. And so I think it's so important that people do realize like it's hard for people, right? Because in our society, especially as a mom or a parent of any kind that you always put your kids first, but people don't, it's just that mindset shift, realizing that putting yourself, it's not necessarily putting yourself first, but realizing that if you do prioritize yourself, it also gives to your family and how you can show up and be more present Mm -hmm. and happy and also be a good example for Mm -hmm. them, right? Because that's right. Because, you know, like your kids are watching you all the time and they learn from every move you make. So if you're a mom who's sitting there struggling with your, her, your health and you're on all these yo-yo diets, that's exactly what your kid's going to see. And you hear that too. And, you know, you just listen to stories. Um, You know, my mom was like this. And so do you want to be that mom? Like just, and people say like, oh my God, how could I? possibly put that kids don't realize you're putting yourself first I mean they look they say okay unless you're totally selfish with your time you know which some people can be where it's like all about me 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 and that that's the wrong way to go the other extreme (laughs) yeah that's the other stream that's like you know um where it's all about me and I come like literally come first but you know, as long as you get your stuff in and you get your kids stuff in, there's no way, reason why you can't overlap what, like yeah. get, you have to only get your run in while your kid's playing soccer. Well, you get your run in while your kid's playing soccer and you, you know, you don't look back. You just let, let them play soccer. You go and do your thing. You come back in half an hour, it's half an hour, whatever. But, yeah. Yes. Finding yeah. The, the priorities. And if people have other priorities, it can be hard to learn to shift those when their brain is like hardwired to be like, no, I do this at this time and this, but yeah. people can definitely make that shift. And you see, yeah. I'm sure I know that you see it in your business, like the lifestyle change and just the happiness change yeah. and the mindset change mm-hmm. that comes with it. I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier about the social media and how like you've had to, like, it's, it's important mm-hmm. part of business nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Like for business, yeah. you need to be on social media and posting these things. I'm curious as a parent, someone who didn't grow up with all the social media that kids do now do you find it as invasive as kids do now growing up with it like how would your mindset differ on it do you think versus what you see now like is it easier for you to turn off social media or do you struggle with all the same things that you know the youth nowadays do with social media Mm, oh my gosh 
That's a really good question. <laughs> really good. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, Nat, because, <laughs> and I'll just take an example here, and I'm sure it's no different anywhere else. Um, our kids are really good about, like, when we say it's time to get off, it's time to get off. And our kids are not allowed to sit in their rooms with their devices. They, they we only have a couple. So, you know, like one's on the TV, one's on the iPad, and then they switch. And it's, and it's, but they have allotted time. And the funny thing is that we try and keep like as parents, like we're trying to stay away from our devices in family time. Right. Because it does take away our attention. And, but the thing is, it's always, I always find this like around six o'clock after supper, everybody is on the couch, like, (laughs) you know, like looking at it and, you know, occasionally we get out a a game and we play a game together, like before bed. Um, But, uh, and, but the thing is that I really do try and it's very hard. Like Saturdays, I don't really need to post because nobody's really on doing anything on Saturdays. So I tried and stay away besides, but I always carry it for my, for as a phone, like as a camera, yeah. right? That's the other thing, right? It's your camera. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone nowadays really doesn't have yeah. their phone on them at all times. <laughs> and, um, so I do try and because there has been times and this is where the guilt comes in is like when your kid is trying to get your attention and you're on your phone. And I really try and put it down like when we're all together. Um, but I, there are always times when that happens. So I'm just like, oof, I shouldn't be doing that because this is family time. And I should, you know, I should be really off it unless we're doing something together with it or, you know, looking, researching something. Um, and I hate the look of that, the heads down, you know, like everybody's mm-hmm. kind of, and it's funny, like, you know, before COVID when we're out, it was just like, everybody was like that, you know, you got like four p- people in a family are all looking at their devices. It's like, wow, this is, I don't know if it's good, or <laughs> but um, yeah, so that it's a really good question. Um, if I look back to when I was a kid, um, I lived on a farm. I grew up on a farm. So my dad wasn't around a whole lot because he was farming. And then my mom was always taking care of us. So there's three, us, us three girls. And literally we just spent all of our time out around the farm doing stuff, playing in the barn, playing in the back orchard, riding our bikes, you know, things like that. And, um, we try and get our kids to do that a a lot you know, like being, being active, even around the house here. I mean, we're, we're really, we're really fortunate where we live, but I truly believe you make your own. We can sit inside on the couch as much as anybody else could who's sitting in the city. Um, but we have to make our own fun and we really do have to push ourselves to go outside and do something. Right. Because otherwise you could just sit around and do nothing. And then it's four o'clock and you're eating and then you go to bed and you're like, what the hell happened to the day? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Like, yeah, social media can be a massive time suck, but it's also amazing tool for business and connection. And especially during the pandemic, it's one of the only ways that people can connect with others. I want to go back because you, uh, we haven't even mentioned this, that, that you're a cyclist and um, you know, your business involves cycling. How did you even get into cycling? What, what do you love about cycling? Um, you know, I got into cycling. I always, we always had bikes around the farm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the banana seat bike that all three of us could drop bike on. And that oh, was, about, and then this huge 10 speed that nobody fit on, but we just biked on. Um, I got into really, I got into cycling when I moved here to Ottawa in 2000, uh, sorry, 1996 and 96. Um, and, uh, I met, I, my first boyfriend here, he was into mountain biking. So I went and I first bought my first mountain bike. I had a road bike. Um, 
and I got into that. And then, and then in, you know, I, that was the first boy, it was the next boyfriend, <laughs> mountain bike racing, um, adventure racing. So it just sort of grew from that in like at the beginning, um, around 2000. And I used that, I use road cycling to train for mountain biking, okay, which okay. is the way a lot of people do. And then I just sort of, you know, I really liked road biking because I could bike from my house. And then I started and um, I started transitioning out of adventure racing um, into I started a spinning studio in 2001. And I figured, you know, all my friends would come and train with me and <laughs> they're all mountain bikers and cyclists. And well, you know how that goes, but, <laughs> but I was, you know, I had a, a, I had a business for eight years. You know, I went from one little space to my room to have a facility and, um, and through that, I mean, I just like my love for cycling just grew and grew and grew. I think it really grew when I started racing. And as you, you know, like the strategy, the speed, the adrenaline, um, you know, like the camaraderie, like everything about the sport was just like, yeah, give me more. And, um, and then, you know, I started listening to ladies in my studio who are, you know, just talk about, oh, they love cycling, but they hate riding with their boyfriends or their partners. And I'm like, you know what? We really need a woman's cycling club in town because there wasn't really, there was maybe a club or there was a club or two, um, like the OBC. And um, so I just, I posted it one day. It was a scariest thing. (laughs) I'm like, I just, I just like, you know, it's like enter and the posting went up. I'm like, Oh, and then I had like 45 people who signed up. I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do with them? (laughs) And, and it just grew from there. And I've like growing pains and like learning curves, but it's been amazing. Amazing. Just being able to give back. Yeah. yeah, I think the power of community is important. And I think, you know, growing up, I hung out with mostly boys, I was into sports. And, and so I never understood the concept of like a woman's only gym or this. And now I'm really recognizing it because I see that a lot of my girlfriends, like they just didn't have that confidence to step into the gym uh, at that time and do these things by themselves. Or, um, you know, there's just a different mentality. And so I do think it is important to have these communities where Mm -hmm. you can be just, you know, maybe just around the women just for the cycling club um, for this one night a week or whatever it is. I think that's important. So that's cool that you, you saw the need for that and and you built it. I want to uh, touch a little bit on your daughter who I know is getting into cycling competitively as well. Could you talk through some of that? I know we talked a bit about it when I was on your podcast. Yeah, she's, um, so she started cycling. I put her in a, a kid's cycling club kind of, so it's called the Crisdal and they trained at the same time as my women's cycling club up at Astaku just here in Gatineau. And if you've ever like, you know, when you have kids, I think the best thing to do, it's always good to teach your kids, but it's always good to have somebody else teach them too. And then you just <laughs> yeah. reap the benefits afterwards because sometimes it's just less stress. And so anyways, I put her in that club. She was probably eight. And, um, and so she learned to ride her bike. Actually, this is her first little bike. I don't know if you can see it back there. This little <laughs> awesome. bike here. And then, then, um, yeah, so now my, the other kids are on it because she's obviously grown out of it. Um, but it was really great that she gravitated and, and really got to use it because, um, like I was mentioning, she has a visual impairment. So if you were to, you know, cover your right eye and then put a toilet paper roll, that's kind of what she sees, maybe a little bit more of a peripheral. Um, And it was nice that she had something like that and she's, you know, and she enjoyed it and she then used it um, for transportation to get to work (laughs) because I made her bike to work and, and cause where we are, it's like four kilometers flat to Wakefield and all her friends were there. And I'm like, you know, and when she got old enough, she's like, well, can you drive me? I go, uh, no. 
I go get on your bicycle <laughs> and bike there, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, she made, she started making it a habit. It's like, okay. And I said, you just have to be home before dark. And she would go hang out her friends, but now, um, and then she would join me with, in my club. So she, as, as she got older, she started riding with me and the ladies and, um, you could just see the strength in her legs because of the gymnastics. And then she got into downhill skiing as a coach. Um, and now she, as 18, she applied to the provincial para-athlete program and she got accepted. So as a visually impaired para-athlete, um, she has to ride a tandem bike. So when she, um, when they accepted her, which was kind of before, um, before like this year, they came down and we were talking to cycling Canada and they're like, cool. You know, they're look, they're recruiting for new athletes. And they're like, here, here's a tandem bike. You can train on it. (laughs) Like they literally brought this bike down and Natalie, like we had to change everything. It was so big. Like we had to change the saddles, the handlebars. It was like, here's the bike. Now you have to, <laughs> you have to set it up for yourselves. We're like, oh gosh, thanks. Like not even a. <laughs> like that would a be saddle. hard. Like the, just a geometry I feel like would be difficult. Oh yeah. Like I had to change the stem in the front. Like I was way stretched out and the handlebars here were so wide, like for a guy's shoulders and she was dying. (laughs) Like anyways, so we, I had to like post and and get freebies from people because I'm like, geez, where do I get this stuff? Um, anyways, so, so we started training on that this fall and, you know, I was going to be her coach and her pilot. So I don't know, like pilot, meaning like I was going to be the racer with her. Yeah. So, (laughs) and then you start looking into like the kind of power these people put out and the requirements to get on the team because it's hugely competitive. And I'm like, you know, as much as I'd like to think that I can be, you know, like a Pan Am qualifying you know, pilot, I don't think I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, as much as I train at, you know, the age of 50, uh, I'm sure there's some other younger girls, you know, like your age who could do the job a lot better. <laughs> so she's been accepted along with another, uh, athlete that I am coaching and she's a trike rider. So on a tricycle, do they compete um, against each other? No, no, no. Different no events. Completely, okay. Yeah. Okay. Completely different categories. Like, gotcha. Um, yeah, so because they, it's funny cause, um, I approached cycling Canada in the summer about, um, this program that I wanted to start and they're like, Hey, would you like to be a coach for, um, athletes that we find in your area? I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know, cause That's they're awesome. recruiting, they're looking for new athletes for their Olympic team. Right. Cause like every four months, every four years. And so one of them happened to be a cyclist who her name is Tui Du and she used to be in my club and I knew her really well. And she had been approached by, um, by somebody else to join, to look at the program. And I'm like, yeah, I know her. And, um, he's like, would you like to be her coach? I'm like, yeah, sure. She wants me to be her coach. And so I'm coaching her and my daughter has found another coach, which is probably a good thing, but you know, she didn't want her mom and that's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. My, my dad put me in driver's ed for the same reason. He's like, I'm not coaching you. You'll get mad at me. So you're going to driver's lessons. <laughs> yeah. She's probably thinking that I don't want mom telling me to do what to do all the time. I'm like, Okay. It can be a good thing to have the separation. I think it could be, but I'm like, I have lots of experience and like dealing with events and lead up to and training and, and anyways, but that's okay. Like my boyfriend's a CrossFit coach, but I would not let him coach me in CrossFit. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's right. You need those degrees of separation sometimes. Yeah. That's, i you know, I had to come to terms with that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was tough. Like it was, yeah, it was tough because I was like, what do you mean you don't want me to coach you? And I'm perfectly qualified and I can help you and all this and that. And she's like, no. 
Yeah. I'm like, okay. So yeah, it's a big, like, I really have to, I'm coming to terms with it. I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it definitely can be hard. I think uh, for sure. You know what? Like I, I'm so into self-development and personal development and I'll try to tell my boyfriend something, but then it it's hard, right? Because you, you, mm-hmm. you have to just be for you, maybe just be the mom for her is yeah. what she wants you to be. And for me, he just wants me to be the supportive girlfriend instead of like the coach or whatever yes. it is. Right. So um, I'm sure that you, you shouldn't take it personally. It just, no, she's she wants like, to see the mom role. <laughs> yeah, she's like, can you just be my mom and we can just yeah. ride together? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it hurts the ego, but it, it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Save our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, awesome. Well, um, what so what's what's your plans moving forward? Any like big plans with things post-COVID, getting rides back together, things like that? Oh yeah. Um, well, we were lucky that my cycling club cycle fit chicks survived COVID summer. I mean, we were, um, we were meeting like every two weeks trying to figure out what to do with the club. Cause we had like a hundred mm-hmm. members before March and, um, we were able to pull off a full season, which was great. I mean, with social distancing and um, really planning our, our rides accordingly to make everybody comfortable, but you know, like not everybody's going to feel comfortable. So we're doing basically the same thing this year. Um, And we're glad that we able, you know, we experienced last year. So that's on the club side, everything full tilt forward. Um, We're back to our regular schedule of like our social online in April. Then we start May 1st or the first Monday in May. We have our clinics, we have our first rides, we have, so everything's kind of on schedule and I, I can't see them not allowing us to ride because, you know, the mental health of everybody is going to seriously suffer. Do you know? Um, Things did, they were fairly open last summer, at least like compared to now. I mean, we're starting to open again, but it was so strict this winter. It seems like summer, hopefully, unless those variants come, like it might be a little bit more open. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to think about that. I'm just (laughs) trying to move forward. And with regards to myself, like I just see um, a lot of our club members have uh, migrated inside onto Swift. And there's a bit of like, FOMO happening. I don't know if you have any of that with, with regards to your training, uh, maybe CrossFit, but a lot of the girls are that I ride with at my level are in riding a lot. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to be up to that level too. So I'm in there, I'm doing it like I'm planning my program, but so a lot of people are riding right now. And so it's just going to either they're going to stay inside or we're all going to migrate outside, um, hopefully outside. Um, So we got this cycle fit chicks thing happening for myself personally. um, I've have um, a four hour cycling skills intensive workshop that I put together for beginner cyclists, Um, novice, intermediate. What they'll do is they'll get like, and this is one of the, the, the workshop that I was doing on Saturday that I was telling you about my internet was like in and out. I'm like, gosh. Um, and so they get all the cycling skills they need to be more, to be better on their bike, uh, over four hours. So pedal stroke, the, you know, the foundation, hill climbing, speed work and nutrition, um, over four hours. And, uh, so I've got that. And then I'm also launching um, uh, an online fitness Zoom subscription. So since I'm working out already, I might as well put it online. Yeah, it's <laughs> so awesome. I'm working on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get innovative with the, with the COVID and getting everything online for sure. I, you know, my aunt is like a movement instructor and, you know, someone very holistic into meditation, everything, but she's made the transition online and I couldn't be more proud. Like it's, it's just awesome to, to see that. The cool thing is that, I mean, with her, with mine, with anybody goes online, you could just impact so many more people. 100%. 100%. The like, scalability is like oh, tenfold. Yeah. So, 
And why not while I'm, you know, while I'm sitting here as funny. Cause like I got, like, I just started working out inside March was March 20th. I remember the day everything closed March 16th. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I knew if I didn't get accountable to somebody, then I wasn't going to work out. So I just decided to go live on Facebook on my, my personal page and just put together 30 minute workouts. Cause I wasn't going to do anything more. I'm like, I don't want to work out longer than that. And I've been doing it ever since. And like, I can't believe I like when I started, I'm like, Oh yeah. Last like six months, but I was doing it five days a week, 30 minutes before homeschooling. There's another scheduling. Mama gets her workout in you kids. Then I'll spend two hours teaching you <laughs> math. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's two questions I ask every guest. And the yeah. first one is what is something that you do daily? Just one thing that is the biggest game changer in your life. Um, it's my workouts. Like I have to say, um, uh, game changers. Well. Workouts and my nutrition, my nutrition um, routine. I've been doing that for eight years. Like I have a specific root, uh, nutrition routine, like how I do breakfast and things like that. Um, and I find like if I don't do that, like even after a workout or before my rides, um, my day just doesn't go the same way. So I just, I've always kept it the same. Um, and I can say that I do that. Like I've been doing that, like I said, for eight years along with my, that's yeah, that's probably, if I don't work out, I'm always getting breakfast, obviously. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, nutrition is, yeah, it's a huge part, especially for recovery fueling. Like it's Mm -hmm. massive, whether you work out or not, obviously we all eat. So, um, Game plan around nutrition is like just the, a pillar for high performance. Um, last question. You're on your deathbed. You're looking back on your life. What is the impact that you wanted to create? Was the impact that I wanted to create? Um, you know, I have to say it's got to be around my kids. And I'm going to cry. No, (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, that, I know I'm not like the, sometimes the easiest person to work, to, um, to understand, I guess, just because, you know, I talk about my, like it's wrapped around my upbringing, but I hope that I've done enough in how I teach them how to be good people, be, you know, embrace school, do the best you can. Um, enjoy your sports, you know, and I hope that, you know, um, me doing what I'm doing now that they, it, it rubs off well on them. And I hope that that's, that I've distilled enough of that in my legacy. And I wish I could say that I, I can still impact my daughter, my 18 year old daughter. She's not living with me anymore, but, um, you know, she is like, it's so weird when you have two sets of kids. It's funny how you think about the first one. I don't know, maybe for me more, I'm not, not more, but like differently. Hmm. They're, they're like a different, I don't know. Like, anyways, it's weird. It's, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but I hope that she is on a good path for her future. You know what I mean? Cause I don't, I'm not there anymore to impact it. Right. She left at 16. She went to live with her dad. Her dad's not a bad person. He's just different from me. <laughs> and you'll always hear that. Um, and I hope that I've taught her enough while we were together that, you know, she has good habits and good, you know, morals and um, high respect for life. And, you know, just, and I'm glad that we have cycling. And, um, and that I can still be with her because we're both on the same team. Like I'm a cycling coach for, um, uh, Tui and we're all be together, but I can still watch her grow. Yeah. Um, 
and, uh, and for the younger kids, you know, cause I just see, I, I see thing like we talk about school and, and it's funny cause, um, my son, can I just go off on a little bit? <laughs> sure. Talk about school. Um, well, when you sit down and talk with your kids, you like to try and make as much conversation as you can in, in between like supper and homework and, you know, watching TV. And so my son always talks about these bullies in class. And he's always talking about how they're always pushing him around and how he pushes them around and then how he um, protects the younger kids or the newer kid that's in school. So, you know, like you kind of feel for him. I'm like, it's, you know, so sure. It's like everything okay with you at school. And, and so, you know, I just, I just want to make sure I'm making good humans to move forward in life. So yeah, it's my legacy. It's not about cycling. It's about, it's about my kids. You know what? I, I think almost everyone that I've had on who is a parent, they, they always answer family. Yeah. I, I yeah. think so. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it, it just goes to show like, you know, when you have family, it changes you. Right. And that is essentially your kids are your legacy and they're the future impact on the world. So you want them, whatever you did to improve yourself, you want them to improve uh, yeah. good humans in the world. So it's great. Giving yeah. better. Yeah. Hundred percent. Awesome. So, last thing is, where can people find you if they want to follow along with what you're up to? Well, uh, sylviedow.ca is probably the main hub. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, sylviedow uh, underscore cyclist. I'm on TikTok, sylviedow underscore cyclist. Try to keep it pretty. Uh, LinkedIn, like I said, if you just Google my name, have you ever Googled your name, Nat? I have Google alerts. <laughs> oh, do you? Oh, really? Yeah, because um, like if you're in a publication, I think that's actually, I'll add that into this podcast. If you're an athlete and you're listening, um, yeah. you should have Google alerts set up because every time you're mentioned in the news or publication, you can take control of that narrative, right? You can know what's going on, like oh. see what's popping up, what's making it onto the first page. I, I think I had that since I like first started competing in snowboarding um, because then if like a snowboard magazine posted, I like knew I got an email and I could go and uh -huh. check it out and see what was happening. Oh, very cool. Okay, I'll do that. So, but yeah, I Googled myself. I'm like, whoa, yeah, I'm everywhere. <laughs> um, and yeah, and please check out the podcast because uh, that's something that's new that I started. I didn't mention, but. Uh, awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, sharing your insights as parents. Like, like I said, I, I feel like I could preach some of these things, but like, who am I, this 20 something with, you know, I, I don't have those responsibilities. So it's mm -hmm. good to hear some of those things from someone who is a parent and is, you know, making it work on that side. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me now. It's been a pleasure. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.